Good morning. What a privilege to be together and to worship Jesus. I've uh, been a few weeks since I have been able to uh, share here, and I noticed, I don't know if you can see, but there's uh, one of the tiles missing, and there looks like a hole, and I've thought, well, I have a way they put in a trap door. <laughs> and so I'm going to stand on this side just in case I get over here and all of a sudden I fall through. <laughs> just the stage I'm going through. Oh. <laughs> It is Father's Day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Thank you, Tim. Dad jokes. Oh, wonderful. Uh, if you have your Bible, open to Acts chapter 14. If you don't use a Bible, but use electronic something, you can do that. George has got her hands open because she reads it up here. Uh, before we get to that, uh, I just... Uh, couple things I want to just touch real quickly before we get into the word today. And one is I just want to thank the guys who preached the last few weeks. Rob and Johan just has been wonderful. Uh, so it's, it's so grateful that we have a team. I'm just so uh, thrilled with all of us together, the, the teachers, the guys who set up coffee and tea. I so enjoyed that last week to be able to hang out for a little while. Not that I enjoyed the coffee that much, but that was okay. I, I'm not that worried about it, but yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I, I did something last week, I'm going to confess here, and it just made me aware of something. I was meeting with a small group of prophetic-leaning people, and somebody said something, and I kind of reacted to it. And I realized that I heard... Not what they were saying, but I heard from my history. And so sometimes we have experiences, situations that makes us, make us sensitive. And so I heard that when I reacted. And when I had a moment to, to think about it, I realized, no, I know this person. I know their character. I know their heart. That's not what they're saying. But it touched a, a nerve. And I reacted based on my history. And I thought... How easy it is for us to hear things, even that the truth of the word, from our history. And so I just want to encourage you, when we pray, Holy Spirit, lead us into truth. We really need the Holy Spirit uh, for all of us. Uh, we all need the, the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to figure out the... Uh, the lights get moved every week, and I can't figure out what, what I can see. <laughs> oh, oh, you have great faith. We've been talking about the, uh, the glorious church that Jesus is coming for. A church that, Jesus, that is Jesus-focused, spirit-filled, loving, a kingdom of ministers, uh, and then to be that, we have to know who we are, where we are, and what we are, which was the last few weeks, which was fantastic. In Acts 14, oh, hey, thank you. Let there be light. I think these guys are trying to tell me I should just use my iPad and that I don't need actual light. A headlamp. <laughs> 
I don't know what's happened in this church the last three weeks I was away. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're equipping us. Thank you that you've given us your spirit who leads us into all truth. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you enlighten the word to us? And then would you help us to apply it so that we're not just inspired or challenged, but we're actually changed and become more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk this morning about the Glorious Church, which is the fifth in that series. I was realizing the other day that this series could probably go on for months and months. I'm hoping that it doesn't, but while we're still on that, I want to talk about a church, the Glorious Church has God-ordained leaders who are releasing. Acts 14, from verse 21 and when they had preached the gospel to that city, which is Derby, uh, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Think about that for a second. It doesn't sound very strengthening. <laughs> Let's strengthen. I want to strengthen you this morning. It's going to take a lot of tribulations to get into the kingdom. Oh, yes, I'm so strengthened and encouraged. So when they had appointed elders in every church and with prayer and fasting and commended them to the Lord in whom they believed, and after they had passed through these places, they came there, but one of the things that they did was they appoint elders with prayer and fasting. Let me just add something. We have prayer on Wednesday. There's been a number of words. There seems to be a growing sense of the presence of God and the moving of God in our city, in our state. Prayer is a key part of that. And so I want to invite you again, if you can, join us. But I'm going to ask you if you would, spend some time fasting as well. There's just something, as Johan shared last week, we're spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes our body actually gets too much in control. And we need to put it in its place, uh, which is in alignment with the truth and the spirit. And so fasting kind of reminds us of that and helps us. So I want to just encourage you. If they uh, appointed elders with fasting, then we need to live in a situation where we, we recognize that. Philippians chapter one, verse one, Paul writing, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops or elders and deacons. He identifies something of a leadership structure. And then one more I want you to see in Titus. The book of Titus, which is everyone's favorite. How many of you ever read Titus? Uh, chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Paul writing to Titus, uh, uh, who is his fellow uh, worker, son in the faith, it says, For this reason I left you in Crete, 
that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. What I want you to see from these scriptures is that godly leadership in the church is not only important, it's essential. It seems to be something lacking if the church doesn't have godly leaders. So we can probably draw the conclusion that the church is not the glorious church that Jesus is building until it has God-ordained leaders. God-ordained leaders are not self-appointed. They're God-appointed. And in a very real sense, leaders determine the health of the church. Leaders help set the direction, the, uh, make sure that things are in the right order. You're going to have to uh, do everything you can not to hear what I'm saying this morning through your history. Because most of us end up having wrong models. See, the church is not a business. And while we have a mandate to minister into the marketplace, we have to be careful that we don't import marketplace or worldly leadership models into the church. Unfortunately, that's happened quite a bit. I want to just touch on some of those briefly and what they mean, because I want you to see this. Now, if you think leadership isn't important for you, just wait till the end. Because I guarantee you, if you haven't paid attention, you'll have to go back and listen to this whole thing over again because you'll realize it applies to you. So what are the worldly models or the marketplace models that get imported into the church? The first is a hierarchy model. Ho-ho! And it basically is just uh, typified as a uh, triangle Hierarchy literally means a system in which members of an organization or society are ranked according to relative status or authority. This is how the world works. Virtually everything is hierarchy. Uh, When that gets important in the church, what happens is we make that senior pastor on the top and leadership then is often given to people who are gifted and not necessarily people who are called or have character. We give it to people who are gifted because it's about making the organization look good. Problem with that is that that model almost always leads to control and insecurity. The guy at the top is supposed to be the best at everything. So he doesn't want to release anyone else who might be better at something. So the insecurity that breeds tends to keep the kingdom of priests from operating. But then another worldly model or marketplace model is we turn that on its head, what we call a democratic or a congregational model. And basically this model when it's imported into the church, says the church is actually run by the people who hire a pastor to do the work. 
problem with that is it breeds real insecurity in the pastors. I have a friend who leads a Baptist church, and he told me a while back that in the Baptist setup, which is this model, pastors are never more than three months away from being fired because they have congregational meetings. And at any congregational meeting, people can bring a vote of no confidence and they can fire the pastor. And so that ends up leading to, obviously, insecurity in the leader. But the model itself tends toward maintaining rather than advancing. Why? Because it's easier to change the pastor than it is for the people to change their heart. We get someone who just maintains, so we put pressure on them, just keep us going. And instead of the kingdom advancing, it, it actually ends up not going anywhere. Then there's another, I was going to call it a leadership model, but it's actually a no leadership model. It's a flat line, and it's often in reaction to bad leaders or bad leader models. Uh, and that's basically this, we're all the same, there's no leaders. Uh, the problem with that is that groups that gather around that model tend to have very little impact and they often don't last. Unless someone rises up to be a leader and then they're no longer this model. It's just, uh, it's often in reaction. But the Bible says something different. It talks about appointing leaders. And so there is a kingdom model, and it starts with that we're all saints. All of us get to do the work of the ministry. We're a kingdom of priests. And so there's a whole lot that the, the work of the ministry is, but it includes everyone. And so God's heart is to allow us all to, to be part of what he's doing. There's another group within that group called, the Bible calls deacons. We read that in Philippians chapter 1. Who are deacons? They actually shepherd. They actually help facilitate the work of the ministry. They don't do it. They help facilitate it. And so they're, they're actually part of the leadership team that helps shepherd. They care for people. And they help people be released in the ministry. Okay, we're talking about a kingdom model. And then there is a, a third group within that group, which the Bible calls elders. Now, ideally, the deacons are part of the saints, and the elders are part of the saints, and part of the deacons, being that they not only do the work of the ministry, but they shepherd. What happens in many churches, if we don't follow this model, if the people aren't actually released to do ministry, they just sit and watch, then the, the deacons have to do all the ministry, and the shepherds have to do all, uh, the elders have to do all the shepherding. The bottom line is that this model is designed to follow Jesus. If Jesus is the head, not just a figurehead, a lot of churches say that Jesus is, but it's actually the senior pastor who's the head. Or it's the chief deacon who's the head. We say Jesus is the head, but he gets a spot on the, uh, on the letterhead. He's a figurehead, but he doesn't actually, nobody actually expects him to, to have any input. We don't ex actually expect to hear from him. In this model, leaders are not above. 
but neither are they, are they beneath. But they're called to be in front. In this model, leaders lead by example, not by position. Now, you're applying this to the church. I'm going I'm to surprise you here in a few minutes. Over in Matthew chapter 20. When asked about leadership, Jesus, in verse 25, Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. He's talking about how the world works. Gentiles is the world. It's the marketplace. He says, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first, let, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is actually establishing the difference between worldly leadership and kingdom leadership. He's saying worldly leadership has to do with control, has to do with that, this model that says, I have some sort of authority over people. And then he goes on and says, kingdom leadership doesn't do that. How do you lead people if you have no control? You lead by example. You lead by being out front. Just as an aside, there's a whole lot of misunderstanding in the Bible when it comes to leadership because the many of the translators has translated a Greek word which actually says lead to be rule. Let the elders who rule over you, what it actually says let the elders who lead you. Why do we go with rule? When we talk about husbands being the head of their family, we tend to think authority, and we talk about being over or ruling, yet the word head has a number of definitions. You know, head means the first person in line. Go to the head of the line. Head is actually the source of a river. Why do we define it as being an authority over? Just to throw that in for you. In the model, this model, the whole idea is that leaders release the ministry of the saints. They don't limit it. So what does that look like in practice? That's a model, but over in Ezekiel 47, there's this whole story in the chapter about uh, the water flowing from under the threshold of the temple, verse 1, toward the east. And it, as it goes out, uh, the prophet is taken out, and, and you know the story, but as it goes out, he goes a little ways, and it's ankle deep, and it goes farther, and it's knee deep, and it goes farther, and it's, it's so deep he can't swim, it, which is interesting because it actually gets deeper as it goes, where a normal river gets shallower as it goes unless it has other tributaries added to it. But there's only one source of this river, and that's the throne of God, the presence of God. So he's talking about the presence of God, the life of God, and it goes on and says that wherever it flows, it brings life. Except, in verse 11, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They'll be given over to salt. 
Verse 12, along the bank of the river, this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Leaves not weather and the fruit will not fade. I want to submit to you that I believe that part of the image there is that every one of us flow in the life of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God. And leadership is the banks that keep us flowing in the same direction. Where there's no banks, it becomes a marsh and there's no life. What does that mean in a meeting? We want to have people share what God's saying, but it can go all over the place sometimes. So how do we keep it going in the same direction? That's part of the responsibility. Let me say this, just to speak into your historic background. Leadership is not the river. The goal of maturity in the kingdom is not leadership. The goal of maturity in the kingdom is effective kingdom ministry. Leaders help facilitate that. Bible talks about leadership from a standpoint of leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, which basically, if you've got any math background, says 90% of us are not going to be leaders. If leadership is the goal of maturity, what happens to the rest of us? No, the goal of maturity is effective kingdom ministry. And we're going to talk about that over the weeks ahead. I just want to, to lay the foundation. Now, let me give you some thoughts here so you can understand this. In a kingdom model, we don't, don't need titles to prove our position. Tim preached a couple months ago, don't call me pastor. And basically he was saying, it's not titles. It's function. If I'm functioning in something, you'll see the function. It's not because of my title. I, uh, I've told you this before, but when we, we lived here in Australia and led a church in, in Melbourne, and then we went back to the States where we were part of planning a church. And when I went back there, I actually met someone who gave me a business card with someone's name on it and the title Apostle. And it just, it, I found it funny because I could just see Jesus Walking around handing business cards. Jesus, son of God, savior of the world. In case you can't see it, you can read it on my card. Because I've got the title rather than the function. Second thought in this is that leadership is more about calling than it is, and character than it is about recognition of people. God chooses leaders. We don't choose ourselves. We just acknowledge the choice that God has made. So with that in mind, leaders lead by example, not by control. I've said that already. But it's basically being out front. Now you're saying, well, I might not be a leader in church. You better pay attention because I'm going to get you with this at the end. In a kingdom model, leadership is by team, not by hierarchy. Jesus leads the church 
and he leads it through a team. I do not lead this church. Jesus does, and he leads it through a team. The team are, is a team of elders. Now, I have the privilege of leading that team, but I don't lead the church. Why? Because if Jesus is leading, we want to hear what he's saying. See, the hierarchical model says, oh, yeah, we'll be a team until we, have, until we don't agree, and then I'm going to make the call because I'm actually the boss. No, what happens if we don't agree? We go back and we pray some more, and we ask Jesus what he's saying. Bit different. Let me say this. In this model, leadership is a sacrifice for the body. It's not a position for promotion. I was talking with one of the worship leaders last week, and they happened to say to me that when they're actually leading worship, they can't just get lost in worship because they're thinking about the next songs and the flow and how this works together and, and what's the Holy Spirit saying. And it's a sacrifice to lead us in worship because it's a whole lot easier by yourself just to get lost in worship. We have different elders uh, Rob and Helen were leading the meeting today. We have different elders do that because for a number of years, I was leading the meetings, but I couldn't worship because there's always somebody, what about this and can I share this and what about where we're going here and, and it challenged me. I finally went, okay guys, we gotta share this because I wanna just worship sometimes. See, leadership is a sacrifice to facilitate other people Worshiping or ministering or having an, an opportunity to share something. Are you still with me? Last thought before we get into the application is that when we build according to God's plan, His way, it releases His glory and His fire. And we see that from Exodus 40. If you, if you were to read from uh, verse 16 to 25, a uh, number of times it says that uh, Moses did according to all that God had commanded him. In fact, it's about seven times in that chapter that he, he built according to God's command. And the result was way down in verse 22 or 23. Sorry, Marnie, I didn't actually, wasn't actually going to include this. She is great. Uh, 23, 24, 25, sorry, I, 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 it's down to 30, sorry, 33, sorry, well, bottom line is it says that uh, the presence of God came and the glory of God filled the temple. We get the same thing in Second uh, Chronicles 7 when they built the, the temple according to the pattern that God had given David, Solomon's father. They built it and the, again, the glory of God came so much that the leaders couldn't stand. The ministers couldn't stand. They were overwhelmed. And so God's pattern, when we build God's way, releases God's glory and it keeps us from being 
smashed and hurt. So what does this mean? Let me give you five things real quick for you. What does this mean for you? First off, if you've ever desired leadership because you thought it would give you control, we just repent and get healed. Wrong model. But if you've ever shunned leadership because you've seen bad leadership models or because you've been hurt, will you also get healed? God's plan for his church is that he calls leaders. We're going to ordain some uh, deacons in a few minutes. I think there's others in this church that there's something of God's calling your life for leadership, but you're shunning it maybe because you've experienced a bad leadership model. Maybe you've actually been the victim of someone's control. And you said, I don't want to be part of that. The answer to misuse is not no use, but proper use. There are misuses of the manifestations of the Spirit. The answer is not to swing the pendulum and say, no, there's no manifestations of the Spirit. So that we save us from misuse. The, the proper response is right use. Let's get back to the Bible. The same thing applies with leadership. There's been bad leadership models. The church has imported the world's concepts of leadership and the models of the church. And it brings death, not life. And then sometimes we swing the pendulum to the other extreme and say we're going to have no leaders. Or... We're going to have leaders, but I'm not going to be part of that. Can I say to you, please, just get healed. Let Jesus the King heal you. Now let me get very personal. It's Father's Day. This applies to you as a father. Your family is a kingdom endeavor. How dare we import marketplace ideas in how we lead our family? It's not about control. It's not about making everything work right because I then look good. It's not about abdicating a leadership role and saying, I'm going to sit back and do nothing and my wife's going to have to run it all. It's about being an example and a model. Okay, Russ, you've gone to, from preaching to meddling now. But I want you to think about it. How often do we bring a worldly concept? We have a hierarchical model. That's just straight out of the marketplace. It's not the kingdom. And we think, okay, I'm the dad. I'm in control. Problem is, in the world, it breeds insecurity. It does in the, in the family. Because dads are afraid, what if I make a wrong decision? And so we live on edge. But it also breeds control. Rather than releasing the family, rather than being teamed together, we think we have to be the best at everything. Okay, I'm, I'm getting... Let me apply it one other place. If you run a business, 
Your business is a kingdom endeavor. If you're a follower of Jesus, have you imported worldly leadership models? Or have you said, how do I bring a kingdom model? How do I involve everyone? Not in every decision, but how do I equip and release people to do what they're called to do to the best of their ability? Think about that one. Because if we're a follower of Jesus, everything we do is kingdom. We have this idea sometimes that church is sacred and everything else in the world is secular and we have this divide and we say, I'm full of the spirit when I go to church but I ignore the spirit when I get into the business and business is all about training and education. Let me ask you, if you lead a business, do you hire people based on character or credentials? The world says you hire people based on credentials. The problem is their character destroys your business. Some of you are nodding your head because you've experienced that. Heavy thoughts, huh? All that we have the privilege of ordaining some uh, new deacons this morning, which is uh, a delight. I didn't want to just add it on. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, our existing eldership team if you'd come stand up here along the front first. There's a reason why these guys sit in front, not because they're more important, but because we realize sometimes we have to confer. You know, what is God saying here? How does this fit? And so we do that together. Uh, and so these are the elders, pastors, shepherds, overseers, the terms used interchangeably. Tim and Kate, Kate's out with the kids. Steve and Barb, Johan and Fiona, Rob and Helen, myself and Mary. Mary's also out with the kids. Seems like we send all our wives out with the kids whenever we're doing this, uh, which actually works well. This morning we have the privilege of having uh, Ian and Jan Howard, if you guys would come, and Trish White. Uh, Coming, and we're going to actually pray for them, ordain them as part of our deacon team. And I'm going to ask you to stand right here in the middle, right, right here in front of me. No, face that way, but, but stand here. Are you serious? If you haven't figured this out, we don't take ourselves too seriously either when we realize Jesus is the head. It's a privilege. These guys have not chosen themselves to be leaders. We believe God has. And our whole process is us trying to hear from the Holy Spirit who he puts his hand on. And so I'm going to ask all the other deacons who are here this morning, if you would come and join us in just praying for these guys, adding them to the, the team. Because leadership is a sacrifice you can, you can stand actually in front of them and you can face this way because I want, want you to gather around and lay your hands on them as, as, as many as who can. 
I'm not standing up here because I'm different than they are. I'm just standing up here because I'm still talking and I'm trying to see your face. I'm going to ask the rest of you if you would just stand with us for a moment. I think it's a very, very serious thing when God calls someone to lead his church, his bride. It's not something that we take lightly. It's a sacrifice, but it's also something that we believe is a call of God. So it's a sacrifice, but it's a privilege. Why? Because we're serving the king. We as a team serve Jesus. And we then serve the body in helping facilitate everyone being involved in ministry. That opposite hierarchical model, the, the uh, triangle pointing down, basically says the leader served the people. The hierarchical model, the triangle pointing up, says the people serve the leaders. Reality is we all serve Jesus. And then in that heart attitude, we serve one another. So we're going to pray for these guys. There is a call and a recognition and an ordination that comes from God. So I'm going to ask you if you just join with us. If you guys, you can get as close as you can, lay hands on them, and let's just. Uh... Father, we just thank you that you have chosen to add to this leadership team. Lord, we're just so grateful. And we just receive these guys that you've put your hand on. And we acknowledge your call. And we just set them apart for the ministry, the service of leading. And ask that you would anoint them. That you would empower them. That you would watch over them and protect them. Lord, continue to give us the heart that is not only honoring you, but that is loving people. And it's not about people serving us, it's about us together serving you. And so Lord, we just release your uh, anointing upon them now for the task that you've called them to. We realize that with your appointing comes your anointing. And that there is a supernatural empowering, there's a supernatural grace and Father, we just release that grace over them again and over all of us as a leadership team and those others who are part of the team who aren't here this morning. Uh, Father, we just thank you that your grace is sufficient for each of us for what you've called us to and for these guys. And we just receive them as your appointed ones in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Why don't you go ahead and be seated? We've often in the past uh, kind of ordained leaders and just in the process of doing other stuff. And I just felt that this morning that we needed to not because of them, but for us as a whole, set an understanding of leadership in the, the church once again. And 
just release God's heart. Can I ask you if you'd stand? Sorry, I told you to sit down. I should have just had you stay, stay standing. <laughs> sit down, sit down, stand up, sit down. You feel like a jack of the box. Can I ask you just to bow your head? I don't want to be flippant, but I realize that wrong leadership models and bad leadership has caused more hurt in the body of Christ than almost anything else. More than the attacks of the enemy, more than other people's sin and failure, but wrong leadership models that bring control or manipulation or that are more concerned about the face of the organization than about the individual people. And I want to say this morning that that is not God's heart for his church, for his leaders. And as a leadership team, our desire is to represent him, not some other model. But it would be very difficult to talk about this and not realize that there have been people, there are people in this meeting right now who've been hurt by bad leadership models. And sometimes we think it's just a bad leader and therefore if we move away from that leader who's a bad person, we'll be fine. But as long as we're in that model, the model breeds insecurity. It's not just the leader. I used to think all bad leaders in the world all got into to the church. How they become leaders in the church? And then I realized it's not the people, it's the model. The model breeds insecurity. A right model doesn't. But unfortunately, that insecurity often brings hurt. And so I just want to ask you, if you've been hurt, would you just ask Jesus to, to bring healing? If you've been the recipient of the wrong model, control, manipulation, if you've been restricted from ministry rather than released in ministry. Maybe you actually didn't, someone didn't abuse you, but they just restricted you. And there's something of God's heart of releasing, enlarging, that he's wanting to release in his church. And so can you just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, would you bring healing? Lord, right now I ask that you would set us free from the hurts of the past. Many have been set free. And Lord, we don't want to dig those up again, but where there's any residual, where there's any uh, sense of hesitancy, where there's any fear of leaders, where there's any holding back, would you just bring a, a releasing of all that and bring healing? Lord, your desire is that we're a kingdom of priests empowered by your spirit 
to partner with you to see your kingdom extended. And Father, we want that for every single believer in this church, in every church in this city, in the city, in the state, in this nation. There's something of your moving across the earth today in restoring the truth. Would you do that in us even now? Lord, we're not poking around and trying to dig up something that's already been healed and covered. But where there are those sensitive spots that we still react, as I did last week, Lord, I just ask that you would bring healing and set us free. That we can be part of what you're doing. Lord, I pray for those in this meeting who have shunned leadership because the only model they'd known has been hierarchy and they didn't want to be part of trying to control or manipulate people. And Lord, I just speak a healing and a release from that. In Jesus' name. That you would build a new model, a new heart attitude in all of us. Lord, we want to be your glorious church. The church that is a light in the darkness. The church that is that glorious church that you're coming for. A bride without spot or blemish. And we simply say how much we need you to be that. But thank you that you've given us your spirit. And so we just receive your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, wonderful. There's some coffee and tea. These wonderful people have set that up again for us. Please take some time to connect. Uh, if you have some questions, please come and talk to me. If you had some hurts, you would like someone to pray with you, whether you need healing, some of the folks would, would love to pray with you. But otherwise, just take a few moments and connect, and let's just thank Jesus for all that he's doing. Amen.